What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Hollywood Already Did It presents Marvel Pair Up, Tis the Season, our Hawkeye show from your regular Hollywood Already Did It crew. Of course, my name is Blake Schultz. With me is Jamie Jarrock. Hello. And Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And if you are new to the program, then uh, what we are is a small little podcast called Hollywood Already Did It that typically does movies that have been rebooted, remade, sequelized, and why we keep retelling these stories over and over again. However, with the onslaught of Disney Plus MCU Marvel shows, we have taken it upon ourselves to do a fun serialized spinoff to accompany each show called Marvel Pair Up, where we take whatever genre it's in, WandaVision with sitcoms, buddy cop movies with falcon and the winter soldier and we pair up thematically what that show is doing with the history of that genre the themes of that genre and how marvel is pushing it forward and intertwining it into its own show and of course we are now at the fifth show since these original programs have become uh five seasons of tv in a year have been cranked out by the mouse house <laughs> and of course it is hawkeye and of course as everybody knows from the trailers and from watching the show, it is a Christmas-themed holiday adventure introducing Kate. Hawkeye is here. Clint is back in action. We have musicals to discuss. We have holidays to discuss. We have two new episodes of Marvel content to discuss. We have two different archers to discuss. And of course, to kick off the pairing up, we are going to take because there are so few episodes and so many Christmas movies, this one will be a little different. Instead of just going history movie to show, this is going to be a, a much more of a turducken of a podcast. We might take an entire director's filmography, an entire genre of Christmas, but it's going to be, I guess, mostly Christmas. I wouldn't be like, it's a secular holiday show, but there are more Christmas movies and Christmas shows, which isn't... I wish there was a Hanukkah action movie. Well, I was like, there's no, yeah. I would. I want to be more inclusive. My hands are tied by the Christmas, the war that was never fought. <laughs> Christmas has always been around. I don't care if they took it off your Starbucks cup. But of course, this time we're going to kick off with our first two episodes, all in one, and pair it up with Shane Black's pretty much entire life. <laughs> that man can't seem to stop being like, but what if Christmas? And uh, let's go, guys. The first two episodes were up. Jamie, what did you think? Here we are. Well, I love them. Uh, you know, the reason we're all here today, we've talked about it many times. Uh, we all know how I feel about Christmas action. It's like my favorite genre. Uh, so there there wasn't a lot they could get wrong here with Hawkeye. I like that it's just, it's simple. It's, you know, this it's low stakes on the ground fun uh Haley is amazing uh all the characters are great uh it's you know everyone keeps saying it's Clint at his most likable and I think that's true because it's not really his show it's really not it's this is so much more Kate show very smart of him uh and that's amazing uh and uh, yeah it's just it's just these two episodes fun good time and uh I'm I'm very excited I think I've I'm already pretty sure it's gonna end up being my third favorite because uh, no one's gonna beat WandaVision, and uh, and I just also really loved Loki, but but we'll see. It could it could come out beating Loki. I don't know. I mean, I think their high concept shows are gonna keep being better than their like back. As much as I love my superheroes on the street, my Spider Mans, my Daredevils, my Kingpin fighting, I think these big bombastic sci fi and crazy idea shows are where the Disney Plus is gonna hit their strides more often. Terrence, how did you feel about these two episodes? 
Uh, I too enjoy these a lot. Uh, I also agree that it, it's very much a Kate Bishop show, and that is what wins this over for me because uh, I'm not that big of a fan of Clint. Although, like said here, I appreciate him more in this because you get to sort of see him suffering from PTSD and sort of the. I like the he's the only Avenger that is alive that still has to live in everyday life that like Thor's off doing Asgard stuff. So he has to deal with like the ramifications of being famous in an everyday world and still live his life. I like that. So that concept is cool. But the fact that this is, this is Kate, it begins with Kate. Uh, it, 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 this is Kate's show and Haley is, is infectious. Like I can't stop, like I can't get enough of her. Uh, and it's, it's funny because Kate can come off if done in a, in a, in a worse person's hands, a lesser person's hands, this could be very, she could be very bratty uh, because she is a rich, a rich 22 year old young kid. Um, and that could come off wrong, but it, it works here because it's playful enough. And she's, she's enough fangirling enough, but still can hold her own. And, and she's covering that, that fine line between the two. And it, it just works for me. I, I was uh, uh, engulfed with her. And anytime Vera for me gets on screen, I'm, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, I mostly agree. I want to start off. I'm a huge fan of these Matt Fraction comics. This is based on. I bought the whole run. I have all of them. They're all great. Seeing even just the cover art be imitated in this show yeah. is fantastic. It makes me really hope that they're paying that cover artist and paying all the people who are doing these things. But that probably is not. It seems like Fraction's name is on here and no one else. <laughs> He didn't draw those covers. Correct. He did write the stories. I'm pretty sure the artist said that he was not paid for that. Yeah. So. Uh, so that's a shame because it's so good. And even seeing it through both the end credits and the opening credits, I, I just wanted so much more of that aesthetic. Like we really changed it all. And I think that's something that I'm appreciating about this story so far. Even aesthetically, just having Christmas is such a juxtaposition of every other tone we've seen in the shows and in the mcu i know like one of the spider-man is kind of around christmas the next one's going to be with christmas no way yeah. home is the christmas one that's why i was like well, i'm confused <laughs> i've just seen so much marketing for that movie that it's like i've been like there. i've already seen the film yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work to get people to see spider-man these days it's, it's just a, <laughs> a steep decline we really got to, you know, we got to rent out all of Sherman Oaks to get people yeah. to this theater. We got to tell them when they're up. They just don't know about it, Blake. <laughs> but I I think starting it off with the musical, which was a great idea. This musical, which was incredible and immediately made me want so many dumb things. The MCU keeps being like, we're going to do something quirky. And I'm like, oh, keep doing quirky. And then I'm like, but I do love it. Be tuned to that, listeners, because next week I'm interviewing the guys who wrote the Rogers the Musical songs. Oh, do this all day is fantastic. I was like, that's 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 the song. Yep, that's it. Which also means that like he said that somewhere loud enough that people could hear. Yeah, yeah, like either in an interview that we've never seen, he's like sitting down with John Stewart, and he's like. Oh, you know, John, I could do this all day. <laughs> like at some point that became Captain America's mantra. Like there is yeah. a marketing and brand person somewhere for the Avengers. That's what Mariah Hill's been doing. She's just making sure everybody has a catchphrase. Ant-Man's running around. Right. And I, I love that. They throw Ant-Man in and they're like, wait, he wasn't even there, but they don't like the people who are there. Like, I don't know if he might've been, he's small enough. He could have been there the whole time. <laughs> But I thought that was a great way to open the show and then to kind of give us a sense of time, Clint's state of mind, because we see him look at Natasha 
we see his like ear not work and we see the graffiti of Thanos was right on there and it all climaxes to him leaving the show early which I'm sure had nothing to do with the performances I think the show was no, that great song, that song was great yeah I the song was great but I keep saying it the costumes were terrible uh and I know what they were going for um you know that kind of modern musical thing and I think that they were bad on purpose but wow those costumes were so bad the Hulk hoodie was I mean, not doing it for me no <laughs> No, I, I, yeah, I think I'm with you. I'm like, I don't think they wanted to be a big budget, but a part of me was like, come on, fake marketing company, spend the money. This is <laughs> Rogers the Musical. Uh, but I love then coming out, we see the Battle of New York, which a part of me, like, we keep coming back to this, and we've now spent so much time away from the MCU that I'm like, well, let's get, I'm more interested in what's going on with everybody else. But it was really cool and well done in this one shot with a young Kate Bishop to see all of it happening and the big Hawkeye, you know, back when every movie had to have a 3D shot and he shot that arrow up and swung in. Seeing all of this from a different angle added a lot of life to that city because they do a good job in the movie at least of being like, we're keeping it contained to three blocks. Right. But what we don't really see are those three blocks. And the other time we sort of give it a shot at it has now been in Endgame and we see the ancient one helping. And in Homecoming, when we see Michael Keaton's company is picking Fixing. up all the pieces. Right. So it's like the more we kind of see of it, it really helps build the world because I think it's easy to get locked in the point of view of the heroes. It's like, we did it. We saved the day. We got falafel. And then later, a man in a suit will tell us that we're abusing our power by doing whatever we want whenever we want to do it. But that doesn't make sense because we've never seen collateral damage. Right. There's never been enough lives. Like, this showed that it was a lived-in world. They're like, oh, yeah, there were other people here that may have lived in this high-rise and may not have gotten out in time. This makes sense. I think it's, it's those kind of moments that would have probably made some of, like, batman versus superman stronger if we had really seen more of the damage because we do get it from batman's pov in that movie and i like that yeah but i've always been like oh we need to see even more because it's like when you just watch it from one person's perspective it's like but he's a hero right yeah uh but i loved that i loved then seeing all of kate bishop's agency we're doing another like fun person who's very optimistic but like everything is clearly wrong and upsetting and i thought we did a great job in the pilot of putting in all the pieces the murder mystery is there she's met her hero it's disappointing hawkeye just wants to go home and see his family but we meet the ghost of ronin uh in her baggy suit with this retractable sword all of that was great i do have a question is the ronin outfit one size fit all it was kind of big on her they ghostbustered it, Terrence. All four of those little children got into an Egon Spengler That's a true. couple weeks ago. That's a good they point. They punched it up. That's true. That's a good point. Obviously. <laughs> uh, it was interesting seeing how like well-known the Ronin is, but that also in a universe that has never cared about secret identities, that one be like, we'll never know who the Ronin don't was. don't know who that is. Although we found it in the Avengers compound. <laughs> <laughs> who could it be? <laughs> Could it be one of the Avengers? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's weird. It was in Hawkeye's dorm room there. It was in his room, but we will Tony never Tony gave everybody their logo, so that door just had a bow and arrow on it, and inside was the Ronin door. It was next to the spider web door and the big Stark reactor door. <laughs> it was very easy to get lost in the Avengers compound. Yeah. But, you know, he set up that thing like it was a theme park. <laughs> Everyone knew which parking lot they were in. 
I love that in this the, the, with the fighting scene that Kate can handle her own, but she is still a 22 year old girl versus like grown men. So it's a little harder for her to get out of these battles than it typically would be for like somebody like Daredevil because she's just out out class. Like as far as weight class, she's weight her is in a different weight class than them, and that's that's cool to see. Because typically these superheroes are like, oh yeah, I can beat up everybody. I'm like, yeah, nope, you're still showing. And that's part of actually Hawkeye as a whole. Like the, that run is saying that he is he and she are human, so they take beatings and have bandages and cuts all over their face because they are not like the others. Well, that's something that yeah, that comic in the show is you're right, both highlighting that we we kind of finally get a seed of like, oh my ear doesn't work as well. Well, when did that happen? And we get this montage of the Battle of New York and Titan and Vormir and. Sokovia and it's like oh well any one of these moments could have been the moment (laughs) yeah all of that being said though I didn't love the second episode I felt like it was a lot of like filler and building that I think if if we had eight episodes I'd be like okay good but since we don't I'm kind of like oh it was fun to do the LARPing but that was like it was a lot of time we only got six of these and I really want Yelena to show up but I don't think that we have time for that anymore. Well, she's definitely showing up. It's it's not a question. It's confirmed. It's just more, yeah, it's just more like, she's, so. it shoots stuff. It's more like when. But yeah, I I, I, I can see that because uh, I rewatched them and I still like them both. But the second one is a little bit weaker for that, that very same reason. I was like, hey, a lot of this stuff could have been truncated and sped along. Like I get, the LARP thing actually is funny. It showed Clint in sort of an element like, all right, fine, I'll do this. But it definitely... I could have gotten that suit to him easier because the the whole point of the suit is literally just for him to put it away so that he can go do something else so that is no longer in play and that could have been done 25 minutes sooner than, than it is yeah i was like i think i wanted more of them it was the, we talked about this with falcon and the winter soldier too where i was like i just want to get them together and get on the adventure mm-hmm. i was like i like there's a lot of good character building and a lot of good moments but the best of that is going to be from them together so I'm like, let's just, let's get them. Yeah. Go. And like, if we get the, in the top of the second episode, they're together. And then you'd like split them up again in the back half. You're like, well, hold on. That's, that's the sweet spot. Put them back together. That's what I want. And then we, we get the brief moment. Even, and it's only a brief moment, but at the end when they're both tied up, I was like, that's what I want. That whole thing where he's just like, stop talking. Just stop. That part is what I want to see from this point on. I want more of that. And it looks like we'll get that from this point on. I oh, I think now we're off to the races. Yeah. yeah. We've introduced echoes on the table. There's a killer on the loose. It's Christmas in New York. The tracksuit mafia is fantastic, by the way. They are. Amazing. Yeah, I was really curious how that was going to translate into live action because it plays very well in the comic when you're just kind of quickly reading all these bros. Yeah. I was like, well, is it going to get overwhelming in the show? And by like the fifth or sixth one, I was like, oh, we're getting close. But it never really peaked over to where I was like, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> but they're super fun. I like that they're like known. He's calling home. He's on this tracksuit people that I pissed yeah. off. Something about me murdering all their friends when I was ruined. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like that we're not just tossing that out, that we're keeping all... We're now seeing like every effect that Endgame had on everybody and just stretching yeah. it out. Because this is, I think, like two years after Endgame, right? We're the furthest we've come in the timeline. This is the furthest point. Wait, this is two years later? I think so. I feel like that's what I read. But they didn't put a date on anything. Huh. After 2012, they did not put a date on it. But like, if you age her appropriately where she is in 2012, she's probably like, what, eight or nine? Maybe older? I don't know how old she would be in that I point. think, yeah, I think that's why she has to be. And she probably wasn't snapped away. 
two years right. after is what Business Insider reported that they said oh, this I is, that put that. That's that interesting. Put her around the 22 range. Yeah. This is like, like no way home has already happened. There's a lot of stuff, which I'm sure part of that is also like, we don't want to play with the multi. Yeah. We, we're going to stay away from that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know how I feel about that, but I, cause I don't, I don't like the idea of them jumping around them not being in order in time, but well, I don't, I don't mind it as long as we start getting little labels. I just need labels to keep all this straight. Yeah, I like so this is 2020 like 7 almost. Okay. Cuz in game was in 2019, skipped 5 years. Right? To 2023. Yeah, mm-hmm. 3. So yeah, this would have been 2025. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> Which also means they were like 13 years off after the Battle of New York. When that right, musical and that would, age, that would age Kate to about where she is. She's 20, she says she's 22, so that if she was like 8 or 9, 13 years would put her at 22. Well, I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. We've done math here, guys. <laughs> Good day. How do we feel about, how do you guys, do you guys think the, the mystery is too easy? Do you feel like it's just like the, this new lover and the mom that's they're both in people like, they're both in and i think it is very it's a little too on the nose but i also i think with some of the hidden stuff that is quasi known quasi not known i feel like they may not be the the the, the main leads throughout but it does seem like it's very on the nose if that's where we're pointing to maybe it's too obvious but it just it feels like hey guys we're pointing directly to them and it's clear that these guys are the ones that are in on it both but maybe that's what the trick will be yeah yeah, like uh, Brandon on Phase Zero was like, "It's Vera's probably the bad guy." And I was like, "Oh yeah, that, oh yeah. I didn't think of it, but oh yeah, I I love that." And and I'm like, "Whatever, I don't really care about that kind of thing." It's like, just entertain me, you know? Yeah, I, I, I for some reason my brain the second that Kate was running around the house and trying to find her either of her parents, I was like, "Mom's away for way too long. She's doing something." To oh, her she gave off super villain vibes. Yeah immediately Immediately. the minute we like go into her like if it hadn't been the battle of new york i would have been like she killed her dad right i was like her dad (laughs) is in the basement locked up somewhere because i'm not unconvinced she didn't call the chitauri to make this look very convenient (laughs) you could push him out a window still you know yeah like she used to get i did like her little monologue of like you you've been rich and lucky your whole life and i was like okay who's surrounding her in that world though (laughs) like that's not her fault she's rich and young rich and young and uh but i like that line a lot too oh it's great it's just a very funny conversation to have in a gorgeous when you are new york apartment high rise yeah uh yeah. i thought it was all great i loved the dog we got our pizza dog and that's Lucky. really all you need i think to adapt that comic we don't need to follow kate to new york or do madam mask or anything else we just need the dog yeah i like that the avengers are slowly making a small armada of animals for us between our cat from captain marvel and uh shang chi's animal that ben kingsley had whose name More. i've forgotten that's More. it don't forget uh, yeah. about Peter Loki. Of course, <laughs> Kuroki. We have to have that. Really, really rounding out we the are. Red Avengers uh, for, I don't know, some sort of Super Bowl cutaway race where we'd bet on it. It would be sponsored <laughs> by Pepsi. But let's bridge our gap to Christmas. How do we feel we integrated Christmas into this? Jamie, you're our expert. Yes. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, I, th- I mean, uh, gr- gr- perfect amount. Plenty of Christmas. Uh, no notes. <laughs> 
um yeah. i i love that clint's uh impetus for this is like i just need to make it back to my kids like i want to spend classic because he hasn't i mean he clearly he's been avenging all of all of these years or gone or they were gone or they were blipped away so this is the first time in a while that he's like i get to just spend time a christmas with my kids and and now that's got a time clock on it so that, that's what's cool about the episode we now have a timer going for the rest of the season like all right five days i gotta get to my kids i only got four days left I get to, like that's what's going to be happening which is very 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 shane black-esque of the series i was gonna say terrence you, you kind of hit on the nose why as we transfer into christmas genre discussions why these movies are kind of omnipresent and among several genres action comedy there's always a very good ticking clock and a very easy MacGuffin that's relatable to a lot of people. I think even if you're celebrating non-secularly or celebrating a different holiday, I have to get home and it's busy because it's the holidays is like a, an agency that everyone's kind of felt. Whether you're in like a jingle all the way situation or a planes, trains, and automobiles, it it gives you a very easy like there's a toy, there's a deadline, and just hijinks until we get there. Exactly. Everything else is meaningless. And it's so easy to throw obstacles in. Like, I love Christmas movies. I just watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I've watched all these Shane Black movies. I'm about to hit play on my holiday list until we're there. Uh, it's all great. But it is kind of funny when you start looking at that formula and you're like, oh, yeah, this exists solely because it's really easy to just be like, oh, and then the tire blew out. And now we're just going to have these two great comedians gab on the highway. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, there's going to be like another cool action sequence because like he's got to get to that train to make it. But what if there's something wrong with the train? It's a very yeah. simple method of just like, okay, one last job and I got to get home. Like it, it's so clear cut. We don't need to spend a lot of time explaining it. There's no big like exposition scene. No one needs to sit down and be like, for years, the power stone aligned. And if you like, no. we don't need to do any of that here. It's just like, Clint's got to get home for turkey and pumpkin pie and to see his family. And we all enjoy pumpkin pie. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. But that, but I like that, though. I like that it's a simple... Look, we just came off of Loki. Well, after before the animated stuff, we just came off of Loki, which got really, like, convoluted and time stuff. I was like, cool, can we just do one where just, you give me from A to B and just tell me a story? And, and, I, and I like that from time to time. Just give it to me. Give it to me my meat and potatoes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, I think that's a good point. That it, it it's it's going to be fun bouncing in the MCU now because I feel like you're either going to get a high concept, crazy multiverse space battle, or they're like fight the kingpin today. Yeah, which yeah. is the best part of the comics is you can just walk in and be like, "What kind of a mood am I in?" <laughs> but I think it's interesting. We start talking about Shane Black, who's made Christmas his business, not unlike that wretched little Monopoly man. Uh, so let's get into that, I guess, guys. Uh, Jamie, tell us about Shane Black. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, he's uh, written and directed a lot of uh, Christmas action movies. I mean, I think, um, you know, the big one is he wrote Lethal Weapon. And, uh, of course, we already really deep dove into Lethal Weapon in uh, our Falcon and the Winter Soldier podcast. And that's why I think we wanted to do this Shane Black kind of retrospective, because you can't really not talk about Lethal Weapon when you're talking about Christmas action movies, but we also talked a lot about lethal weapon and you know he he's his big ones are lethal weapon long, long kiss good night uh which is the best one uh, Baltimore. yes and <laughs> of course i mean he directed iron man 3 which is like uh and 
which I love because it takes place at Christmas time. Uh, and, uh, and then, but you know, I was watching just for this podcast. I watched this week, um, uh, last action hero, the last boy scout and, uh, the nice guys. And none of those are Christmas movies, but the last action hero starts with at a Christmas scene. And then that's it. No more Christmas. Last boy scout was originally supposed to like be a Christmas movie, but they cut all that out. But if you watch it, there's one mo- moment where his daughter draws like a like at school like a picture of Santa and Saint Satan Claus, played by Daniel Harris of Halloween Four and Five Faith. Uh, and so it's like he snuck it in there, and then the nice guys nothing until the final in, scene. In, in the Christmas, yeah. yeah, there's a Christmas tree and a Christmas song. So like even even the not Christmas ones, he sneaks it in. And then of course I didn't mention Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is another which Christmas. Is one Christmas. Yeah. And even like the Predator's not a Christmas movie, but he still uses a holiday as the backdrop. Like he can't quite get away from it. It's also not a good movie, <laughs> but yeah. But he does it so well. Uh, he just, he, I mean, and, and Blake, you have a quote from him that I think you should read because it just like really, I think it really beautifully sums up why it works for him. Oh yeah, it almost makes us not have to do this episode. <laughs> <laughs> he gave a, uh, a whole little thing of like why Christmas, which is part of what we're exploring here. And he said, Christmas represents a little stutter in the March of Days, a hush in which we have a chance to assess and retrospect our lives. I tend to think also that it just informs, as a backdrop, the first time I noticed it was in Three Days of the Condor, the Sidney Pollock film, where Christmas in the background adds this really odd, chilling counterpoint to the espionage plot. I also think that Christmas is just a thing of beauty as it, as it applies to places like Los Angeles, where it's not so obvious and you have to dig for it. It's like little nuggets of holiday cheer. One night... On Christmas Eve, I walked past a Mexican lunch wagon serving tacos, and I saw this little string on it that was a little broken plastic figurine with a light bulb in it of the Virgin Mary. And I thought, that's just a hidden piece of magic. You know, all around the city are little slices, little icons of Christmas that are effective and beautiful in and of themselves as any 40-foot Christmas tree on the lawn of the White House. So that, in a lot of words, is the answer to why Christmas. And it's it's interesting that he he says that because it, it is true, and that's why these things I think resonate all over the country because there are parts of the world where Christmas feels more like Christmas than it does anywhere else. Like New York, Times Square, you see the snow and the trees. Like yeah, that's that's Christmas. But if you're in LA or you're in like the South somewhere where it doesn't snow as much and Christmas doesn't, you need stuff like this is what helps you. Like oh yeah, that's what rings too. Like Christmas is always there. It's embedded in the DNA of that time. But if you don't see it all the time, you kind of don't get in these movies sort of dig into what else gets you to that point of Christmas. Like, oh, yeah, the impetus of being around family, like he said, gives you a time to sort of reflect on the time or the year or the, the, the family that you may not be around. Like, that's what these movies do. And that's why I think he keeps going back to that, because it's a, it's a it's a cheat code of a starting point for writing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting when you kind of get into like Shane Black's style. And I think that also ends up fitting with this. Right. Like normally. It's two main characters who have to become friends. Usually they're problematic protagonists, but I don't think that's going to happen in our our Disney (laughs) plus Marvel show. Although, who knows? We've done some things in these that are surprising. And it's a lot of like how this story makes them a better person at the end. How is it the embellishment of the holiday? Is it whatever it represents? If it's, oh, I don't like my family, but it's Christmas time and I have to learn to forgive them and then go do Christmas and I'm married to my job or I really don't like those people. Whatever it's going to be that Shane Black's up to. 
it's always a crime plot around Christmas time. Obviously, that's a big thing in here. Mm-hmm. And are the jokes, uh, for people who don't know, one of my other favorite parts about Shane Black and his writing, how he got noticed with Lethal Weapon was a lot of the action description, which is just the what it, it says in a script. There's a big chunk that'll be like, exterior, uh, Christmas time, New York, Hawkeye fiddles with his ear and the rest of the family comes out to join him and then dialogue. Action description can be very boring to read because it's reading, which no one loves to do. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's why the ones we talk about have pictures. It's photos here. <laughs> you would usually embellish it a lot and not in like a just kind of quirky way like some people did. One of his most famous ones is from Lethal Weapon and it's exterior Beverly Hills home. You know the type. Some guy who's probably reading scripts for too long and has started to zone out, but he can afford a house like this. This is exactly the kind of gaudy nonsense I'm going to buy when it's a huge hit. And I'm sure you're doing a great job reading this. You're going to retain all of it. But now that we're back, and it would be a lot of just like bits for the reader. And he kind of has gone on to say, I think the reason I got noticed is I started adding in stuff for the per- for the guy who's on his 20th script is being like, oh, this is fucking great. Right, he, like he, his college screenwriting teacher would die if we tried oh, to do that. murder. But like, <laughs> but in LA, like, but you, you, people get so many scripts, they have so many scripts on the copy table, like, yeah, this is cool, this is cool. If you do something in the first bit, like that's, a, that's an opening sequence where he's talking about that. You do that, you're like, oh, all right, what? This is weird. I've never seen anything like this. And you just kind of, and, and if the story is good, you're kind of just gonna, I'm gonna bleed in through the rest of this. It, it's smart. Uh, but yes, as a lot of screenwriters would be like, what, what, this is, curse you? No, uh, any teacher you have is going to tell you the rules, and then you're always going to be like, what about the example if, that broke the rules? Yeah. What if I break them? Yeah, <laughs> I do think, it. I do think, yes, while it's not going to go to the part where we get super problematic people, there, there is sort of the, the lethal weapon of the two of them. Uh, Clint is very much like uh, <laughs> Glover, where he's like, I'm, I'm too old for this. Like he's done. He doesn't want to be an Avenger anymore. And Kate's sort of like the Spitfire. Like, I right, let's let's go blow up stuff. Let's go do everything. That, like, so they are playing those archetypes, but it's not as dark. She's not trying to kill herself. Yeah, no. <laughs> and it is very often. No, she's got that like reckless attitude, but it's different. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Nell Gibson's reckless because he wants to die. She's reckless because she's young and doesn't know better. Correct. Right. It's it's. It's got like a mix of don't meet your heroes in that. It's like a little Shane Black meets like another cynical writer. And I think part of that, you brought it up. It almost reminds me the most of um, the nice guys where it's a lot of like Ryan Gosling being like, come on, man, come on. We got to do this. Like there's something fun in a buddy cop movie of of it being like, well, one of us really wants to go, and the other one's just so just out of the just, game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which Lethal Weapon, of course, has, but like the nice guys has this like punchy comedy to it that you just sort of are like, oh, man, he really wants to go home, and Ryan Gosling just will not have it. <laughs> let it happen. Yeah, uh, I think about that a lot. It's funny because all of those themes aren't in Iron Man three. That it's almost what's missing. They need it to be. Like the kid, the kid is the is like the clo- like he has the yeah. kid kind of close, um, but it is the like and you know in the end he does have a lot of roadie time. Hey, so he gets the roadie in the third act, but for the majority of the film he doesn't have a buddy to a buddy to sort of flip off with uh, for the majority of that film. Which I think you know when you're when you're Shane Black and you're doing a lot of buddy, give him a buddy. You know he took out half of what makes it work, but. 
I'm I still gonna... love Iron Man 3. I do, too. Oh, it's my favorite Iron Man movie. Um, I think, for me, I one thing about the, the Christmas action that I think that it's just so simple is that every year in December, I want to watch Christmas movies. And I cannot watch these... Ho- I like r- Christmas rom-coms, but I can't watch the homework ones. I draw a line. You it's know? Just, they're a little too small. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah. But, I, but I, I don't just want to watch like romance or like silly family comedies. I love action movies. I don't want to go a whole month without watching action movies. So sometimes it's like... I mean, Die Hard's an exception because it's my favorite movie anyway. But like, you know, I, I probably wouldn't watch like Iron Man 3 as much as I do if it wasn't like, ah, oh, it's December, it's it's Iron Man 3 time. This is a, like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I watch that every year because it's like, yes, it's a Christmas movie. That's but it's a it's a movie that I can I can comfortably put on right now and people will be like, oh, I guess I can accept that it's Christmas in it. But yeah. you're like, thank you, please just stop with the romance for just a moment mm-hmm. and get a respite. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I think they also work too because you're right. They sort of service as that palate cleanser. And it's funny, we just talked about something similar on our drive from Vegas where I was for Thanksgiving to here, we had our Christmas playlist on, which is of course the same songs by different people through different eras. I'll cover this this year and this decade you'll cover it, yeah. Yeah, after like two hours of that, we switched it to like our our pop punk Christmas list, which is a much more cynical, more, you know, fuck you Christmas. (laughs) And a part of me was like, I like that at some point we did enough Christmas songs that other bands just went, what if it was really jaded? (laughs) <laughs> and I think that's like that's something that the the Christmas movie scratches when it has an action backdrop because so much of the the romance ones that Jamie's talking about these lovey-dovey ones they either get like real into the religious stuff which I'm not a very religious person I just like Christmas time um or they get really into like the spirit of the holidays the people and the love and the families and right. blah 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 but for all of those people there's somebody drinking until the bar kicks them out on Christmas <laughs> Eve yeah. And we needed a movie for those people. And I think there is something about the themes of, of the holiday time, Thanksgiving through New Year's, really. I, I have to assume with each one that has it like, I got to go back and talk to my family and I don't want to do it. I have to go like regress to who I was in high school for a week and a half. Right. I have to open a, I got to go buy a bunch of presents for people I don't know, but I have to be polite to for a week. So I just got to hope that they like Captain America and cross my fingers. You're going to argue about politics with people that you don't want to argue about politics with. And I think the the Christmas action movie kind of breaks through all that by being like, it can be depressing and it can be sad, but we're going to take you on this awesome journey that isn't ever going to get really sappy and in a weird way, stay grounded that way and then give you a different kind of catharsis. There, there's always an end where it's like, well, you know, this is your new family. It's who you may come and sit down. There's always an accepting part at the end of it, which I think is usually what people want at the holidays. They want the family to be like, it's fine that you haven't started a family and that you've gained weight and that your podcast hasn't broken 500. These are the things I worry about when I go. <laughs> I'm just talking about myself now. <laughs> and hoping that it all works out. But I feel like that's part of why we use the holidays. Because now we're seeing Kate Bishop go through a lot of like, this new guy is, I'm just not about him. And ironically, he's almost fighting for her acceptance. But like, clearly this mom has a certain way that she wants her daughter living her life. And it probably does not involve knocking down bell towers. Although if I had a daughter, I would be like, knock the bell tower down. <laughs> <laughs> In two shots, that's just good work. <laughs> Uh, if you're going to do something, you do it right. 
that's what I always say. But and then you have Clint, who's also obviously dealing with a lot of different acceptances and a lot of different changing of the holidays. That's the other fun part is like when the family changes and you're bringing in new people and new dynamics or certain people aren't there anymore. And I feel like through the lens of Shane Black's quirky action, we capture a lot of that. There's always a weird like, this is who my dad is and the long kiss goodnight and kiss kiss bang bang. There's a lot of like, well, this is just what I am. It's a weird mirror, the Christmas movie, because they're also, they're the most anxious. I feel like in a John Hughes coming of age movie, they're like kind of cool the whole time, but something about Christmas makes everybody real Super on edge, yeah. Yeah. And, and while, while like the action ones are a nice reprieve from like the, the lovey-dovey ones, they're still always fun. Um, like the thing about like Long Kiss Goodnight, watching it again, it was, the first, it was only the second time I'd seen it. And it's definitely like I will not ever go another December where I don't watch yeah. that movie. Um, and uh, it, it's just like it, it's so badass and so ridiculous that you just you you can't not like have a wide smile on your face for how silly it is and and that is like and like there's but there's like an, another extreme level of this where so last night i was with tony my my boyfriend and he made me watch this western called the proposition and he tricked me he goes it's a christmas movie and okay yes this western uh that takes place in Australia um, was set at Christmas, but it is, but it is a gritty, horrible death movie where, and, and it's like, okay, this is like, doesn't count. I was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) First of all, like nothing's like, there are, there was a Christmas tree, but like, it's not, it's not like modern times where you can like go out and there's, you know, it's like, it's like the, there's a wasteland of Australia when like, you know, like imperialism and shit. And so, uh, and so I was like, I'm sorry, but this does not count as a Christmas movie. There's a line and uh, uh, like someone is about to be sexually assaulted and all this, like we, we, we have to draw a line somewhere and this doesn't count. <laughs> well, I'm glad uh, you found that line because I feel like every year we have the debates of Die Hard Lethal Weapon and Batman Returns and Iron Man 3 and is it about the release? Do you have to release on Christmas? Die Hard was a summer movie. Iron Man 3 was a summer movie, which obviously was prepared to have those DVDs under the trees (laughs) at Christmas. It's always Christmas in capitalism town, baby. (laughs) I hate those debates, but I was having it last night, which is, I I felt, I, I, I hate those debates and I found myself like in it and I, and I was like so I guess I guess the line exists and uh, it's called The Proposition uh, it's actually a good film it just wasn't for me it was a little too intense nice yeah I mean that definitely happens Terrence do you have any Christmas lines what's your definition of what makes it a Christmas movie because while I also hate those debates I sort of like being like but what is a Christmas movie <laughs> are the lines so blurred that now I'll go and be like the House of Gucci's a Christmas movie. Like it comes out around Christmas. That is a that is a Christmas film. The Last watched, Jedi is a Christmas movie. I've watched so. all of the Lord of the Rings on Christmas Day. Are well, those yeah, Christmas films? You also get those associations. They do like right. Back to the Future marathons. Harry Potter for a while like was the Thanksgiving movie in marathon time. So it those lines do blur. I feel like of just like is it a Christmas movie or, or Christmas is it like time. just like this is like 
comfort movies that you watch during Christmas, which I think is a, a line that I, I that happens quite a bit. Uh, I feel like all of those movies that we've mentioned, The Batman Returns and, and all of those are Christmas films. Um, because I think that at the very least, you you as a viewer are watching it. Um, and if it gives you that sense of like that time now, this won't happen for everybody. Like like Jamie did not react to the proposition in the same way. But if that if it invokes in you some type of familial or that type of feeling that you get during Christmas time, then for you, yes, it's a Christmas film. Then that's that's that is what it it's doing its job in that instance. Um, but just but for some folks like Bad Santa, I love it's vulgar as shit. But for some people, they're like, that's not that, that's too foul, too dark comedy. But, but it, it's ingrained in the name, but they won't t- accept that because for them, it does not do the same thing that other Christmas films that they feel like should do that that, that, that doesn't do it. Um, I, I always say, I think that however you feel about a movie is is what it should be. Like if Tony thinks the proposition's a Christmas movie, then for him it is. As you know, I watch Die Hard every Valentine's Day. It doesn't make any sense. But for me, Die Hard is a Christmas movie and a Valentine's Day movie and sometimes a summer movie to celebrate his anniversary. Like, there's no limit to when these movies can right. be. I used to, um, I always say there's the core three Christmas rom-coms and that's The Holiday, Love Actually, and The Family Stone. And I loved those movies as a teenager so much that I had to, after a while, I made a rule that I was only allowed to watch them in December because I, I, I watched like spring break, junior year of high school, I watched The Family Stone 12 times in a week. Like, I was just... <laughs> That's like pure insanity. And so I made that rule because, because okay, Jamie, chill out. There are other movies that exist and you're acting crazy. Um, but but it's proof that you don't have to watch these movies at any yeah. specific time. No. No. Again, they have, these are, half of these are summer releases. That's right. not the issue. But again, it's a summer release for a winter home office situation. Home office. <laughs> home release situation. That's why we're doing it. Uh, no, I agree with all of you. I often go back when people have these debates. I'm like, well, one, there's an aesthetic to a Christmas movie. Are there Christmas things in it? Done. If I'm singing a song and it's I'm singing about Christmas, it's a Christmas song. Done. Two, let's go back to the classics. The Grinch stealing Christmas. Your Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Your Frosty. What were those stories about? Acceptance and individual growth and coming together as a family. So if those things are in your movies, which they almost always are, that's a Christmas story. What was, <laughs> what was The Last Jedi, if not How the Grinch Stole Christmas? <laughs> is the Grinch and Cindy Lou Who Ray has to come and see him and be like, we would like to have Christmas back, Christmas now being the Jedi. And Luke, of course, is going, no, Christmas has become too far. It's too capitalistic. Nobody believes in it correctly anymore. And it always ends up causing more harm than good. It's time for Christmas to go away. And then his rotten, you know, little half, his other Padawan, who's just causing a havoc and doing all sorts of mean things to the town. He's like, well, now I got to get my sleigh, which is force projecting. And my dog, which is the, the, the little, the dice, the dice can be the dog. I'm going to take those down to the town and deliver the gifts, the gift being hope. And my heart will grow so large that it will explode and I'll die. This is why The Last Jedi is a Christmas movie. I like it. His heart grows three times. He returns Christmas to everybody. And it was released in December. And there's red and green in it, which are That's Christmas colors. That's true. And there you it's have it. It's a great folks. movie. <laughs> 
this is why he's closed. I think that really nailed it. Um, but this is also why Hawkeye, I think, is a great case for the Christmas stories. He's the one with the family. So we got to get back somewhere. Could you imagine if like Peter Parker needed to go home for the holidays? <laughs> you could just Zoom with Aunt May. It would be fine. Yeah. Um, you know, that's so that works. We obviously have Kate Bishop growing, meeting the heroes and changing. Everybody's got to get back to their families, accept their families, accept who they are. It's what very. I, what I also think is going to be, because you can already sort of see it happening uh, in this, is that Clint is very parental towards Kate already. Like he's already like, I'm, I, I'm, let's get your bandage on correctly. Like, stop. I need to put you home. Like he's already sort of put his arms around like, all right, I need to, I need you to be safe. I can't let you be out here doing dumb stuff. So I feel like when everything is done, especially if we all think that this is going to go the way that it is with her parents, her mom being a bad person, uh, she's going to end up being folded in into his family. And then like, it's Christmas. Everyone has Christmas together. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what will happen. Yeah. Uh, I, will, I would like to say, because this is coming up on the internet, and I'd like to point it out, um, why wasn't Clint there for Wanda? Because he did the same thing to her. He he winged her in Ultron, and they had a special bond at the end of Endgame. Um, uh, well, I, I, why was she, like, left all alone? for? Well, with Jamie, no if you remember our WandaVision conversations when Blake was ahead of the internet and going, <laughs> the only cameo that makes sense is Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Go back to the tapes. Yeah, <laughs> we were on this, and I yeah. agree. Where, what, why not? Which is also weird. Why this is like two and a half years? Because like, you are now sort of like, well, Clint's got a lot of was just making up for family time. ENTs can be obnoxious. You've got to get, you got to go to your regular doctor yeah. first. Yeah, you got to get permission to then go see a an ear, nose, and throat guy who's going to give you a specialist to do an audio test. It's taking them at least a year. It just you just really got to walk in and be like it doesn't work. There's a yeah. hum in the drum. <laughs> Fix it. No, 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 no. They're gonna. I know all this from experience. They're gonna milk they're gonna this bring out. Yeah. You around that wagon, and then by yeah. the time they're done, they're like, ah, you just got diagnosed sooner. And it's like, but that was your only job. <laughs> but no, I do agree. Where was Hawkeye for Wanda? Um, of yeah. course, as the internet also said, if anybody had showed up during WandaVision, we would have gotten in the way of Wanda's story. So. We didn't Maybe really need it. Mind, I just wish that like there'd be like a line, like like she or something, just to explain it. Like even, even if I mean? she's just outright ignoring him, like he is trying to reach out. And she's yes, like, and she's like, too no. depressed. Ignores. Well, I'm him. sure yeah. that that's part of it because originally those the commercials were supposed to be strange. So you could probably, I mean, who knows? We might get all these. You it say could it still come up. Yes, like, like he, he might. They post credit scene. It. It could even drop off in this this series. He might just be like I've been trying to call Wanda, and I just haven't been able to get in touch with her. Mm-hmm. You know, any of that could come up. But I think we're getting back into the like our post Avengers hangover, where it was every solo movie after that film was like, well, why where is, is calling Cap? Where why is, is Thor? Cap calling yeah. Thor? Why isn't like? Yeah. Do we we kind of have to get back into like sometimes they're not going to be there <laughs> stories. Yeah. And it would be super fun, but like it also won't be because if there's one thing we've learned from the comics that once you know every single day of these people's lives, they're all way less interesting. Yeah. It's a big town. It's a big place to protect. <laughs> Wanda really sealed herself off there. 
I just don't want Clint to abandon Kate when when the time comes. Oh, he's going to abandon. Clint's whole agency since Age of Ultron has been, leave me alone, I have a family. And people keep being like, but me. But me. And then we have the audacity to get online and be like, he's the most boring Avenger, hashtag Hawkeye. And it's like, that is a man who made a safe house for his family, who abandoned their entire cause so that he could help a bunch of gods who should be able to handle their nonsense. Should be able to do it without then, me being here. And then while doing that, saved Wanda, motivated her to become an Avenger, helped her through the death of her brother. Meanwhile, Hawkeye's so boring. Then he has to go live with his family to be pulled back into war by somebody where he fought a robot by himself, hoping that Scarlet Witch would help him. That could have been a suicide mission. You understand? <laughs> and then what does he do in the battle? He does the only thing Tony doesn't think about and miss on purpose. It's so much smarter than anything anybody else tried to do to him it was the only thing that caught him by surprise except for ant-man and you're all still on your stupid little phones he's so boring and then his family was snapped away <laughs> and he went on a rampage killing criminals Murdering. across countries like and everybody who wasn't team cap is like that's what team cap looks like team cap looks like hawkeye gets to go run around do whatever he wants that man was fighting the right cause and you're still sitting around the oh, there's we got a whole john wick scene in avengers endgame and y'all are sitting here like the boring family man with an archer mm. of course he's not going to show up for wanda because y'all didn't show up for him you understand? <laughs> can't argue that I agree. I agree. I love it. I love it. That's our show, folks. We're not going <laughs> to top that. So thank you for listening. Subscribe and leave a review. This has been Hawkeye Tis the Season. Marvel's pair up, but Hollywood already did it. You can follow me at As Always Blake, Jamie at Jamie Cinematics, and Terrence at Terrence Tatum. We, of course, have the regular Hollywood Already Did It podcast about things that have been rebooted, remade, sequelized, or adapted, and why we keep doing it. We have several other Marvel pair of shows. If you're new, we have a history of sitcoms through WandaVision, where we did every episode of WandaVision with a history of the sitcom of that era. We have Buddies for Life, the Falcon and Winter Soldier one, where we go through a lot of buddy cop movies. Loki Through Time, which was the Loki show with a lot of time travel movies. What if? What ifs? What? I'm trying to remember the name of our Marvel one. Marvel's movie history. It was just the history of Marvel's own movies and then of course we have you can't do that anymore where we talk about movies that might be problematic now jamie is of course on phase zero with comicbook.com terrence has everything else on our hollywood already did it channel reviews reactions trailer reactions and all that jazz and i have another podcast called how do you figure about toy collecting and we will see everybody next week yeah wow.